Last time I was with you, we were talking about how to start the new year right, and I gave you some uh, suggestions. Uh, uh, don't, don't do New Year's res- revel- resolutions. Thank you. I have a hard time even saying them because I don't believe in them. <clears throat> but instead, have New Year's revelations, things that the Word of God tells us to do. And I remember I challenged you just three, three points, you know, just get up every morning and report for duty and spend time focusing on Jesus and then speaking life to people. And that all flowed out of a message where we were talking about our, our dead past and, and living in a definite present all because of a divine person. And I want to take that concept of what I shared with you the last time I was with you and I want to spend these next few weeks as we're preparing for our new pastor to come to to, to go into a kind of a discipling mode where we're talking more and more about how we can can strengthen our life around Jesus Christ, Him and us, us following Him. He is the source of our power. The Word is our guide. And, and, and strengthen ourselves so that um, God can just continue to do the good things He wants to do in the days ahead. So I want to take, ask you to take your scriptures, and I want you to turn over to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. <clears throat> Because even though what I've just talked about was true, most folks have talked about New Year's resolutions. And uh, I, I'm, I've been a runner for a long time, and I enjoy running. And so being at the gym during the winter months is not unusual for me. But i got to tell you, I hate January at the gym. Because it is crowded with all the New Year's resolution folks that say, I'm going to exercise regularly and I'm going to lose weight. And I'm here to report to you yesterday afternoon while I was down there, it had already thinned out. <laughs> there were three of us in the gym yesterday afternoon. <laughs> you know, and so we're not talking about that. But, but if you will, go to First Timothy... Chapter 4, because there's nothing wrong with that. And by the way, your body is the temple of God. We ought to take care of our temple. Because it is where he resides. But listen to what what Paul was writing to Timothy. And he said in verse 7 of chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. He says, have nothing to do with Irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. So there's nothing wrong with working out and getting ourselves in physically good shape in relationship to our age and our health and all those kind of factors uh, rolled in together. But even though that's important and it is valuable, the most valuable is that we train ourselves in godliness. And did, did you notice that? He says, rather train yourself in godliness. Does that tell you something? 
does it tell you that you have a part in this and that you need to take some initiative with this and you need to work on this? It certainly says it to me. And he says, the reason you do that is because it has value not only now, but for the future. And we're not living just for now, but we're also living for the future, the day when he comes again. And so I want us to take a look at this, and I want us to go a little bit deeper into what we were talking about the last time. And I want to talk to you about how to be spiritually fit. Not physically fit. I'm going to let you figure that out on your own, okay? I am not a, 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 a sports uh, trainer. But I think I am a spiritual trainer. That's what God has called me to be. A teacher to share the word. And I want us to talk about being spiritually fit. Three things that will help you to be spiritually fit. I'm just going to Give them to you real quick. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to talk about. You need to have a healthy appetite. You need to have a healthy attitude. And you need to have healthy affections. And let's begin to look at those. Because I want you to understand that character and conduct are more important than awards and trophies. Character and conduct, the way you live, are much more important than having a shelf full of trophies and a wall full of awards. So let's look at how to have a healthy spiritual appetite. Go to Matthew. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 4. And we'll start right at at verse 1, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And says this, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Who led Jesus to the wilderness? Who led Jesus to the wilderness? The Spirit. For what? For testing. Don't think this is strange, folks. (laughs) If the Spirit of God led the Son of God to go to that, there's value in that. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Amen. You try that. 40 days without food. You're going to be hungry. I promise you that. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, He said this, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, he didn't say anything wrong with bread. It's okay to eat. 
And I'll let you out of here in a little while and we'll go eat. That's okay. But he says, man does not live by bread alone. And I fear that many of us in here put a whole lot more food into our mouth than we do the word of God into our soul. And we need to have a healthy appetite where we really desire the word of God. Because it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is good for you. This is good for you. But I remember in the days when I was getting started with this, uh, it was hard. But let's go to Ezekiel. and Maybe I can help you. As I was helped in order to learn some things. We go to Ezekiel, and Ezekiel is one of those really weird passages of books of the Bible. There are a lot of unique things happening in the life of Ezekiel. And, and uh, God has revealed himself in a very unique way to Israel, and, uh, to, 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 to Ezekiel. And, and Ezekiel has received his call from the Lord. And look what he says in chapter 3, verse 1. Having had that experience and, and, and seen all of this and received his call. And, and he said to him, the, the, God said to him, Son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he gave me this scroll to eat. Doesn't sound really yummy does it here's some paper eat it but look and he said to me son of man feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it and then I ate it and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey parents have you ever said to your children, eat this, it is good for you. And don't you hate it when they say, you eat it first. Because you don't want to eat it. But you do it. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. <laughs> Sometimes we think, I don't know, man. The Bible's just boring. You haven't got into it and let it become alive because it is the word of God, the word of the living God. And Ezekiel said, okay, he said, eat paper, I'm going to eat paper. And lo and behold, it was sweet as honey because God did a miraculous thing in his life. And here's what I think he began to share with him that we didn't hear about until later on. Let's go back to First Timothy this time, let's go to 2 Timothy. Second letter that Paul wrote to his son in the faith, Timothy. And he reminds him in chapter 3 of 2 Timothy, beginning at verse 16. He says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Now, just stop there. Just stop there. We're going to go on to the rest of the verse. But think about it. 
All Scripture is breathed out by God. Every time you open this book, the Word of God tells us that it was breathed out by God for you. And you will get something different from it than I'm going to get from it because we are different people in different walks of life doing different things as unique as we are and God will speak to your uniqueness for your time and situation at which you find yourself at that very point in time. And he says not only is it breathed out by God, it is also profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in godliness. Remember, train yourself in godliness. And he's saying, in the word. Get into the word. And it will teach you, it will reprove you, it will correct you, and it will help you train yourself in godliness. That the man of God, which really means the people of God, when you read the, the, the Greek there, may be complete and equipped for every good work. We just skim over that, but think about that. That we may be complete, not lacking, and equipped all the tools that we need for most everything that happens to you. Anybody want to argue with that? Please do, because I just misquoted the scripture on purpose. Not most of the things equipped for every good work. Every good work. I ran a summer camp called Super Summer for years and had a collegiate staff and some of them came back year after year to serve on the staff they they needed their heads examined because that was the hardest seven weeks of their life every summer but the ones who came back as veterans for the third and fourth year got where they could have done my orientation for me because they heard this thing over and over you can't do the Word of God if you don't know the Word of God. And you can't know the Word of God unless you get into the Word of God. Now that is a mouthful. Let me say it again. You can't do the Word of God if you don't know the Word of God. How do you know what to do? if you don't get into his word where he says, this is what I want you to do. I, I talk to teenagers all the time. I wish I knew what the will of God was. Then I open up the Bible and begin to show them a quick verse, number of places where it says, this is the will of God that you do. This is the will of God that you do. This is, okay, okay, I'm getting the picture here. You can't do the word of God if you don't. Know the Word of God, and you'll never know the Word of God unless you get into the Word of God. And those of you who teach Bible studies and you preach and things like that, you will testify, I think, with me. It does me a whole lot more good to prepare to speak to you than it does for me to actually speak to you because God is working on me all the time I'm working on the messages. 
and I am the one that gets the real blessing out of this, and y'all get the leftovers. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. But that's what God does when you get into his word. Remember, it becomes sweet and it's profitable. So have a healthy appetite for the word of God. And then also, the second part of it is, is that you have a healthy attitude as well along the way. Go back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. And I kind of like this passage of scripture because I'm a runner. And in chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, Paul writing to the church at Corinth says this in verse 24. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run? Yeah, that's true. We're all there at the starting line and the, the, the gun goes off and it scares you and you take off running. But only one receives the prize. Except in this day and age, we have all different age categories, so we all get a little something along the way. Matter of fact, I've got several medals that hang around my neck because I crossed the finish line. <laughs> Yay, I finished. <laughs> Give him a medal. Now, God's Word is saying something different. All the runners run, but only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things, and they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one, so that I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. It says only one person wins the prize, and that's true. The only one person that wins the prize is whether you do or you don't, because he's given that to every believer, saying, here is the attitude I want you to have. I've told you I'm going to give you what you need. If you get a healthy appetite, I'm going to show you what you need, a correction, reproof, teaching, to help you become godly, to be who I want you to be, because I've already given you the best gift in Jesus Christ who makes it all possible, and you're empowered by the Spirit. So take off on the race, because it's a race of one. You will not be judged in relationship to me. And praise God, I won't be judged in relationship to you. We are all judged in relationship ourselves to Christ. And oh, how I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You weren't perfect. That's why I saved you. But you did run the race. You had the attitude, this is my calling. Not to just sit back on the couch, but to get out and run the race. And have that healthy attitude that says, this is why I'm here. I've been left for a purpose. Paul goes ahead and, and talks about it over in Philippians. One of my favorite books, and I've referred to it over and over. As a matter of fact, if you could, could see my Bible, it has just got scribbles all over it of little things that I've learned along the way as I've studied this book over and over again. But look what he says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. 
Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, and he says, but whatever gain I had, and he had gained a lot. Boy, Paul had a pedigree that just wouldn't stop. And he said, I counted all of that loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And when you see that word knowing, it is experiential. It is not mental. It is experiential where you're walking with him and he is walking with you. That I have found the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Good attitude. But look on down to verse 13. And he says, But brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. He said, I'm not there yet. I'm still working on it. The race is still going. And that's true of every one of us. We never finish until God says, Home. That's when it's over. But he says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ Jesus in my life. That's my attitude. God has a goal and a prize for me, and I'm going to run after it and run after it hard. And that's my challenge to you. Have that healthy appetite where you're feeding on the Word. Have that healthy attitude where you're saying, that is where I'm going. God has given me this goal and this is what God wants to produce in my life and he's the only one that produces it. You don't, he does. But we also need to have healthy affections as well. Go to Matthew. And you notice I'm jumping all over the New Testament. I'm pulling out these tidbits that are there and, and I'm just hitting a few of them. That's why you need to get into the Word. But let's look at the healthy affections because healthy affections are important. Go to Matthew chapter 22. And again, healthy affections is, is, is who you admire. Now, health nuts, uh, down at the gym where I work out, we have some guys. <clears throat> and they make sure you know they're healthy and well-built because they will wear the clothing to let the ripples show. Oh, but by the way, I'm not one of them. <laughs> Just in case you were wondering, <laughs> I'm not one of them. <laughs> they go, <clears throat> look at the old man. <clears throat> They're narcissistic. They're saying, look at me, look at me. That is not a healthy affection that we need. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is a healthy affection. Fall madly in love with Jesus. Fall madly in love with Jesus. You just want to get up and meet with him every day because he loves you. He loves you. One last verse, Colossians. Go to Colossians. 
Colossians chapter 3. The key verse I want to get is, is verse 4, but I want to start in verse 1 because you need to see what Paul is saying as he's, he's writing here. He says in chapter 3 of Colossians, verse 1, he says, If then you have been raised with Christ, if you are a believer, if you have been saved, if Christ has given you the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ the Son, then seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And oh, by the way, in Romans it tells you while he's seated there, he is forever making intercession for you and for me. Right now, he is sitting there and he's saying, Father, help that dude preach because he's not doing a very good job. You've got to help him, Father. And at the same time, he's talking to the Father and help so-and-so. By name, he's calling you out. Open their ears. Open their heart. Help them to hear not what T-Mac is saying, but what the Spirit is saying to them. And set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. But listen to verse 4. Knowing all that to be true, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Think about it. When He comes... I guarantee you the attention is not going to be on you. (laughs) When he comes, (laughs) saved or lost, they're going to go, wow. Because the end is coming. But Christ says to you, Christ who is your life. When he comes, you will be there with him. In glory. Not that you will receive it, but you will be giving it. That's my Savior. That's my Lord. I give Him the glory. He got me through this race. And I find value in the race because now I get the reward of eternity face to face with Him forever. Let's pray. Father, may we be serious about our walk with you. May we have a healthy appetite where we really are hungry for your word. May we have healthy attitudes where we know that you've called us and we know the goal you have for us as you're unfolding it in your word and above all that we have healthy affections that we're just madly in love with you and I know there's folks sitting in this this worship center today that don't even know you and this doesn't make much sense but by faith may they know that they've heard the truth because they've seen your word and that word has spoken to them and 
today would they be saved. And there are people here who are saved and they're struggling. Put your arms around them, Father, and say, just take one step at a time. It's just one step at a time, one moment at a time. Give them that that courage to step out and to do that. Father, help us all to worship you because we are in love with you because you first loved us. Would you speak to us today? Would you tell us what you want us to hear today? What your spirit is telling us individually today? I pray this in Christ's name. I'm going to ask you to reverently, with heads bowed and eyes closed, just stand to your feet while the instruments begin to play. Would you just talk to your Father? Would you just confess to Him where you are, what your perceived need is, and ask Him, Father, would you help me get a handle on this by your power? Men will be here at the front if you need to talk with someone, if you need to pray with someone. If you just want to come to the altar and pray on your own, that's fine. You come now while the Spirit moves. You do what you need to do at this point.